Hello everyone, welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to Philosophy. This is Rakhdan. And this is William. So why are we doing this? Straightforward answer, we actually, both of us, me and William, really like philosophy and we wanted to apply it to our daily life. And it started kind of, a, you know, as a casual inside joke in which we will encounter things in real life and we would quote philosophers when things happen. Um, and this is how we started our idea of like, how about we actually start a conversation about philosophy? Basically, it's two buds who just want to share philosophy with people because there's just a very big name to it. And it's actually a subject that applies to so many people's lives. And we think that it should be shared and people should just, you know, have a way to ease into it. Basically, let's talk philosophy. Let's talk philosophy. So previously, we talked about Michael Walzer's view on membership. And we saw that he believed that states were able to exclude people based off of a certain list of criteria that their members set up. In our first episode, we also focused on a philosopher called Tendaya Chume who essentially presented us with her perspective on immigration as form of decolonization, where she argued that people from formerly colonized countries, you know, the global south, had the right to immigrate to their former colonial masters, what's so-called the global north. This right came essentially from them already being members of that community because of a social construct placed onto them during colonialism, made them basically political insiders. So needless to say, the philosophers we chose have very much been in conflict with each other. Achiyume says that you're already a political insider within these communities that exploited you through colonialism, while Walzer disagrees that that doesn't give you any right to immigrate. And in today's episode, we will look into another philosopher whose book, Black Skin, White Masks, published in 1952, will provide us some way to evaluate both arguments. We are, of course, talking about the man, the legend, Franz Fanon. But before we talk about Franz Fanon, let's go back to our first guests, Liam and Anne. I think another thing that we are both strongly considering, again, to find an anchor or a geographical place to call our own, uh, was for pursue a PhD and then see where it takes me from there. I just realized that it's actually easier to get a PhD <laughs> than face an immigration officer and explain, you know, how much I love Liam and why I married to him and why I married a man who doesn't earn enough. I mean, I would rather have a conversation about grid integration or renewable energy than that. So Anne is unable to live with Liam in the UK because the both of them do not meet the criteria set by the UK government for one to be able to live with their spouse. Such criteria included having a house as opposed to the apartment that Liam owned, plus a predetermined level of income that they should both have. And as you might have remembered, it's been a hellish of a process. So what Anne has chosen to do instead of, you know, as a leeway to basically be with the man that she loves and she's married to, look, we need to emphasize on that, is basically to pursue her PhD in the UK. Now, what's interesting about this phenomenon is that as we begin to ask questions about why doing a PhD is a faster route to immigration, Franz Fanon kept on popping up. So who is Franz Fanon? Fanon was a philosopher from the then French colony of Martinique. He was a psychiatrist and a philosopher who used his intersection in both of these fields to understand the effects of racism and its effects particularly 
on the psyche. And to him, colonialism does not leave any part of the human and the reality untouched. He basically uses language as a starting point to explain his view on racism. In his book, Black Skin, White Masks, he gives us this example. Imagine you are a black person who speaks the most fluid French in France. This might promise you the avoidance of alienation and allow you to better integrate yourself within white society. In short, to put on a white mask. But then, however, you get met with the shock and surprise in the faces of the white French people as you articulate yourself with a quote-unquote elegance of a Parisian. To Fanon, this surprise is just a euphemism for inferiority. This drive for perfection in your speech means you alienate yourself from your blackness to try and become white. But this isn't possible because even the white people you're trying to integrate with will remind you of the fact that you're not white. He calls this the epidermal character of race. To be black and fluent in French at the end of the day is still to be black. So by failing to get to the proximity of whiteness and having pushed away all your blackness, you are left in a state of non-being. Well, William, thank you very much for bringing this up. When reading this paragraph in particular and hearing you right now talking about it, it just clicked something in, in my memory from the time we were studying together during our high school. Remember the French teacher? Of course I do. Who was replaced? Ah. Yeah. By essentially. A white lady. <laughs> exactly. Essentially, um, there was this brown Indian teacher who was teaching French because he has the qualifications to teach French. Alliance Francaise. And uh, essentially, parents of uh, students, you know, from Belgium, from, um, you know, France and from Portugal, etc., uh, white people, quote unquote, uh, they complained about the fact that how dare you for like literally that school administration to hire someone who to teach French while he's not you know French this you know it always like left me with some kind of you know questions about where this is coming from essentially is French just euphemism for white is that is that what they they were going for also what what do you mean by that like and there there were you know i remember there were conversations about like his how good his french was and there were always always questions about is he good enough and it seems like there was this bar that he would never regardless of how many years he would be teaching french how many years he would be perfecting his own french that he would never you know be able to reach that level and it's because what what you mentioned about the state of non-being honestly it was a very disheartening sort of situation to see this man who i don't i don't think i'd ever seen any teacher in the school being questioned scrutinized as much as this in my two years there but oh well c'est la vie so now what does this have to do with the case of liam and anne actually let's just focus for a bit on what he says about the state of non-being to explain that and to explain what he actually means let's talk about the process of applying to university this is a very relevant experience for both of us me and william now, I grew up feeling nice about being able to speak English, fluent English. But then there came this point when I was applying to university and I was just slapped with all these English proficiency tests like the IELTS and the TOEFL. That made me pause. Like, like both of us actually did the entire international bachelorette in English and pursued higher level English and succeeded in getting good grades in these classes in English, yet there were these lines of requirement requiring that I prove, in quotes, my fluency. 
Of course, this wasn't the case if you were from a country like the UK, USA, New Zealand, you know, like English-speaking countries that they so call them. I call them. Uh, incidentally, it just all happened to be the global north, you know, like the fact that I didn't even know my own language, Luganda, as well as opposed to English, it just made the situation really feel absurd. Now, such a moment can describe what Fanon calls the state of non-being. I had realized at that moment there and then that something was amiss with my identity as a person. You know, well, there was actually this one particular quote that stuck with me while reading the book where he says, to speak as a colonized in the language of your colonizer is therefore to participate in one's own oppression and to reflect the very structures of your alienation in everything from vocabulary to syntax to intonation. It was a subtle reminder that, hey, you're actually not a part of us and you need to show us if you meet the criteria to even be qualified to be in this institution. In other words, for all the English I spoke, according to Fanon, I merely helped accelerate the erasure of my own identity and culture. Now, if we, you know, if we go back to Walzer, the OG, the guy that we did a whole episode about, Walzer said that countries get to set criteria for others to gain membership. Essentially, they are within their own rights. They are entitled to accept or deny people access to this membership based on this criteria that I've agreed on. And this is why you could say that it's easier for Anne to move to the UK by pursuing a PhD as opposed to immigrating as a spouse. She more closely fits the criteria of someone deserving of a membership. A PhD, someone who is highly qualified, uh, been through life, spent years and years in research and, you know, this kind of 1% of the most skilled in the whole world. So what would Fanon think about Walzer's view, actually? Like, most likely, Fanon would point out the racial undertones that are lined within the phrase criteria. I'm, I'm just underlining that criteria part, like with a red, big red marker, just imagine that. Walzer emphasizes that is the members of the community themselves that choose to create this criteria to gain membership. But looking at who these members are, inheritors of colonial legacy and benefitors, it's not difficult to imagine why it would be easier for one to have a PhD to immigrate to the UK. And that's the point, actually. As a non-white person, you have to reach a pinnacle of standard ascribed with whiteness in order to be recognized. Exactly, and this is what I found very frustrating about the whole thing, because just how many of the people who are already members of the society meet such a criteria? I doubt that. This also ties back to what Fanon calls the epidermal character of race, because it's not assured that you will be given access to membership even after meeting any criteria. That's because the criteria are constructed to reflect a world where the majority of the colonized cannot meet that standard, kind of de facto making it impossible. On the other hand, Fanon's thoughts might not be perfectly aligned with Achiyume's. Granted, they both advocate for decolonization. However, Achiyume's argument rests on the fact that you're already a member of the colonized society due to colonialism, and by exercising your right to immigrate, you are decolonizing the system. However, I don't think he would emphasize the, the, that the colonized pursue this option. This is because by doing so, the colonized again may just lose themselves as they struggle to gain recognition from the other, the other being white people. Exactly, and Fanon, when you read through his text, he has a fear that in trying to assimilate as a, you know, individual from global south, you somehow end up, yes, gaining recognition for your quote-unquote humanity, 
but you also lose something from your, you know, identity. And it's it's kind of a transaction because your, you know, newly recognized humanity will have been created and molded by white people as opposed to have come from within yourself. And he would actually say that the danger in Achume's argument lies in the fact that at some level, you are still seeking some sort of acknowledgement or approval from white people. The fact you're leaving your own country for education should not be an option because regardless, we always talk about that educational system is so Western-centric. Well, if it was if Fanon was alive, he would tell you, get a better education in your back home or you know, build a better system in which you no longer have to argue with white people about getting a better system because they are benefiting from the same colonial heritage. So why would you expect them to cater education where you are highlighted in the history or in the curricula that students are, are studying? So that's all we have for you, folks. We learned about Franz Fanon and how he fits within this larger conversation that's happening in immigration in today's world. Like, you know, as international students on the move, it's it's been interesting to actually see these arguments come to life, like in these three episodes that we've done so far. I think Fanon to me has been the most interesting because it, he just brings both home what Achiume says and Walzer says. He, he is more firmly rooted in reality, I feel to a certain extent. Exactly. For me, also, I would have to agree with William. Fanon has been my favorite to read through his text, although sometimes he fails to acknowledge, you know, um, post-colonial legacy and, uh, you know, there's still influences, this is st still kind of these social structures. But from my understanding, it's more of like a, you know, uh, he's anti-establishment in a sense he wants to create the you know the global south or the the colonies quote unquote by stop calling them colonies by building them as nations that are ground in, up ground up and as competitive to you know countries from the global north regardless regardless of how realistic that might be in today's world and soft power in a world of a lot of you know lobbying from the global north um it's his his you know philosophy is something to aspire to as a person from a global south I, I would read, you know, his, his teaching and I would actually smile and because it's, it's just very real. And uh, this was it from us, guys. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this series of episode and um, I hope you made it. You made it through, you know, and you kind of delved into philosophy and made philosophy for you easier and enjoyable uh we'll see you uh when we come up with a new series i guess this has been your host william and rakhdan see you later